One Week Season. OWS fam, welcome back to the week 14 reflection podcast. I'm your host, BFRITS12, and here we are at the back half of another week of crazy NFL action. Go ahead and throw this podcast on 1.5x speed and let's get into it. Well, This week was kind of interesting to me in that it felt like mostly what I expected it to be, but also not. Weird, right? Um, Yeah, basically what I mean is that from a high level, a lot of the things played out relatively close to, uh, you know, what I would have expected or we would have expected. But a lot of the specifics were kind of off, which caused me and... Um, based on some of the things that I've seen in Discord, uh, to to not have you know the the greatest weekend, uh, so I wanted to just kind of use that as the lens that were, or at least I am looking at you know my reflection on this past week and uh, just kind of considering that as we go about here, but moving into the week it was very cut and dry to me so this was one of those weeks where i felt very strongly about how i saw the slate right off the bat and i pretty much stopped my research after that now y'all know if you've been hanging around that i've really been playing around with this part of my process a lot in terms of um, consumption and how much content to consume and varying that quite widely, but definitely, um, uh, you know, mostly on the end of consuming less and just trying to go with a minimalist <laughs> uh, DFS approach. And I've this was a week where I just felt really good about going in on that. So why is that? Well, that's because when I sat down and did my first look this week, where I take a high level look at all the games and just kind of jot down my initial notes, which is always done before looking at anything, regardless of how much I do or don't do in terms of content consumption that week, I was very much pulled to a few specific spots. And so the reason, or how I should say this is, this is exactly why this part of my process is so foundational for me. Because this piece of my process, this initial piece, basically helps me decide where I need to go from there. So in the past, we're we're veering down a little bit of a process path here before I talk about what this approach actually looked like for this specific slate. 
But in the past, my process was rather consistent from week to week. I, I mean, I had this blocked off in a spreadsheet, basically, like I'm spending or not a spreadsheet, but like on my Google calendar, where it's like I'm spending an hour and a half on this on Wednesday. I'm spending two hours on this on on Thursday. I'm building lineups for three hours on Saturday. You know, whatever it was, was very pretty cut and dry. Whereas this season, I've tried to become more flexible about that with some success and some failures, as you know. But the reason that I've been doing this, it kind of comes back to uh, one of the things that I mentioned and uh, kind of theme that I've been carrying along for most of the season here, which is letting the slate come to you, letting the week come to you. And on a week like this, I might spend five hours doing DFS stuff, whereas on another week where I go through my first look and things are not cut and dry, which was a few weeks ago, I don't remember which week that was exactly, week 11 or something like that, where I was just like, I have no idea where to go (laughs) after doing this. Um, That week becomes uh, much heavier in terms of consumption and I start to lean on uh you know things like projections uh you know like like fantasy labs and ownership projections more than I normally would whereas on a week like this I mostly didn't give a shit about those things because they are not going to fundamentally change how I approach this slate because it felt very clear to me, at least for the type of player that I am, how it made sense to attack this slate. And so I think that where I'm at in my DFS journey and the like what my process looks like is is probably a bit different or a lot different than many of you. Um, in that I am willing to be pretty fluid with it and pretty lightweight. But I do think that there is something to be said for considering this a bit more, as I think that most people use a very rigid process, and and rigid not necessarily meaning bad, but I guess regimented would be a a better word to use there, in that you're always doing the same things, and, and I'm a big fan of muscle memory, getting the reps in and the just that consistency and the habits that that builds. I do think that's really important. So, you know, especially if you are a uh, a less experienced DFS player, I do think that really kind of grooving in a process for yourself is important and you should take the time to do that. So keep in mind that I'm coming from a place where I'm I'm, I have you know a handful of years of experience now, and I feel comfortable with who I am as a DFS player, what my style is, what slates or weeks fit me and which ones don't, and therefore I can tailor my weekly process to that. So just something to think about in terms of your process and if you are always approaching things the same way when 
maybe you don't need to. Maybe some weeks you are uh, over, you know, your process is more than what it should be and other weeks it's less. At the end of the day, we're all in this to have fun and make money, essentially. You know, our, our goals might be slightly different, but for the most part, that's it. So with those things in mind, it makes sense to optimize your time and your energy the best you can. So if this is a week, like for me, where I really, I didn't have much to gain and not that we can't ever gain anything by sharpening a process or doing a little bit more or whatever, but on this particular week, that was the, the returns of that were going to be very minimal for me. And so it was much more worth it for me to just kind of take what the slate was giving me and how I felt about it and do other things with my life, <laughs> um, whether that be uh you know, supporting my wife and spending some time with her as we have our last few days uh, without a a child in the house um, or, you know, just kind of resting up after a busy work week and going into that new season. Just seeing, you know, JM talks about this a lot, really understanding what DFS is in the big picture of your life. And so here we are all of a sudden getting very, very high level and existential with our process. <laughs> so I'm going to um, pluck myself off of that timeline and <clears throat> drop myself back onto the one where I'm talking about what my approach actually looked like this week. So what was this thing that just kind of popped out at me and made me go, okay, well, I guess that's how we're playing this week. For me, it was game environments. And we talk about we talk about this a lot. You know, I've had a few podcasts this year where this is the focus. You know, we talked about game environments last week, did a high-level look at each of the, the games and you know, just kind of briefly looked at scores and if that was what we expected, etc. We've talked about the importance of game environments in creating high scoring points uh, and DFS players and having to get things less things right on a roster. None of these things are new to you as an OWS member. So I was particularly drawn to and again, like the I guess really one of what I want to get across here is that. I wasn't trying to pick these game environments. And I, I, you know, I think that's in, that like that's what's important here is this basically came to the surface through the research. And now, whether you have a piece of your process like this or not, doesn't really matter because JM and the rest of the team does that right through writing the NFL edge. And then obviously even going deeper than that in the scroll and player grids and all that great content. But for me, it was just very clear writing this out that my notes for uh, the Browns-Bengals game and the Minnesota-Detroit game really stuck out above the rest. Games like Carolina and, and Seattle a game that I normally wouldn't be excited about at first glance actually kind of stuck out to me when I list, you know, I started writing about 
uh, what this game felt like and the, and the players in it and you know, the players not in it and Kenneth Walker and these things just kind of came to the surface. Another one that now this did not play out even close in results, um, but I acknowledge this as much in my notes was the Ravens Steelers game. A game that I wrote down was a essentially a total barbell game in that the most likely way it was going to play out was low scoring and just, you know, true black and blue division. But there is a world where that game does go back and forth and the players on those teams were, you know, relatively cheap and uh, well, quite cheap in terms of, you know, if you look at Huntley and uh, his pass catchers, Marcus Robinson, um, Devin DuVernay, Obviously, Mark Andrews was not cheap. And then you have guys on the other side of the ball like Pickens and Pat F, even Najee Harris. Again, by no means were these elite plays, uh, but would have been very different this week and something that the field was not looking at. So essentially, my notes for the games this week ended up being a heat map of sorts in that these games just really stuck out. And what really stuck out about them was the fact that the offenses were are are narrowly distributed relatively and they had ceiling. So, for example, the you know, the, the game of the slate uh, which slightly underwhelmed. The, the score was a, what, 57 total. Uh, the Lions-Vikings game. That game, it just, when, when I wrote it down, I was like, there, there's such a, a good, solid, condensed group of players here. It's a pace-up game. Uh, not great defenses. You have so much floor and ceiling in a game like this. And so for me... Uh, like the Lions, you got Goff, Swift, Amon Ross St. Brown, and DJ Chark just like really stood out to me as like their offense. Now, Swift, that was, you know, a little bit of recency bias there, uh, but we had always kind of expected him to be that <laughs> coming into this season, and he just hadn't been working out to this point injuries etc um but like Amon Ross St. Brown and DJ Shark who he almost had 100 yards last week uh, like these guys like are the offense Minnesota has a bad pass defense if the game's gonna be pace up there's just a lot of security there so floor and ceiling and then on the other side of the ball also relatively narrow, you have Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and TJ Hawkinson. Uh, for me, I really liked playing Dalvin and Hawkinson coming back here because, uh, you know, basically if I was going to bet on golf, then I was not going to be playing Kirk Cousins. And Dalvin has had a, like, he has had a more vintage Dalvin workload in the past handful of weeks. He's just not getting there. Um, not that he was an elite play by any means, but I think I even made a note that 
he felt kind of like a a Joe Mixon play in that, you know, like a handful of weeks ago when Mixon blew up. He still wasn't a great play, but he's a guy that, you know, has the hold of a backfield, is going to get those in close opportunities and is in a good game environment. So this was less about me loving Dalvin Cook this year and more about a lot of things just pointing to him as a good play in this spot. Um, still didn't get there. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, I loved in this spot, not for a revenge narrative necessarily, but I just thought that you know his usage has just been great. He's still just been underpriced for what his role is and you know what his ceiling is at a pretty uh low ceiling position at least in terms of uh price considered adam thielen was the one who ended up getting there but he was also very playable especially at his price not because he was going to get there but because the opportunity was there for uh, his price. So yeah, that game just really was interesting to me as a small field single entry player because you just like the thing that JM hammers all the time is you have so far fewer things to get right than the rest of the field. If you simply get right, this game is the best on the slate. So like I said, a slight underwhelming of uh in terms of who was scoring points <laughs> in that game the the total you know mostly got there thought maybe it could hit a little higher than that just just a bit but the the guys scoring was what, what kind of threw things off there the browns bengal's game this game i was seeing almost exactly the same as jm and how do i know that uh well, because I really liked his angle emails this week. I thought that this was a, a perfect week for his angles approach to really shine a light on how this slate was shaping up. And if you don't read that or don't listen to that pod, I highly recommend it because it is just such a sharp way to get a high level view of the slate and just a really uh, foundational place to to start the week. So, yeah, I mean, in this spot, which, by the way, actually, before I go into this, I just want to say, too, because I this is like something that I kind of did this week was because I didn't read as much content because nothing essentially was going to sway me from uh, how I was seeing the slate and what I liked. I, I essentially stayed in a bubble and made my lineups that way. And then I actually went back and read some things retroactively and kind of compared and contrasted where I was at and where all of, you know, the, the, the player grid and where all that stuff was at. Uh, and it's kind of a fun, interesting exercise that I would recommend you doing at some point in some form. You know, if you don't feel comfortable going a full weekend without reading, uh, you know, think about how you might might want to do that. But I think it's a really good way to kind of get an idea for where your strengths are, what you are good at identifying, what you're not good at identifying, and 
if nothing else, make you feel a little bit smarter and a little bit better about how sharp you are as a DFS player and say, oh, oh, nice. Like they were on that and so was I. Oh, Hilo said this and I was kind of thinking about that for leverage as well. Uh, It's just a cool way and you can even do it, you know, in a week also. You don't have to wait like not read any of it and then wait till the next week and and go back and check it out. Like you can always kind of see where you're at on a Friday, maybe just put it off for a day or two and then dive into it on a Saturday or something like that and see, um, you know, where you're at. But I, I think it's a really interesting way to kind of gauge your own thoughts and your own process and things like that. So um, anyways, I, I did want to, that was kind of in the back of my mind. So I wanted to share that. Um, but coming back to looking at that game, this is one of those spots where it just felt like it had a higher ceiling than the field was giving it credit for Deshaun Watson, obviously disappointed last week but it was his first week back it wasn't really a great game environment and so you know kind of like jam talked about uh i i you know i want to be early on a guy like that you know <laughs> everybody was excited to draft him in best ball for you know this late push and stuff like that and so why wouldn't you like him in dfs at a really depressed price um is he a sure thing no of course not but that's why people aren't going to go all in on him. So, yeah, I just, you know, really liked how he set up. Uh, you know, he's got Amari, DPJ, and David and Joku there, who I really ended up liking at the tight end position this week. And then uh, on the other side of the ball, I really liked the combo of Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase coming back. Uh, mainly just because, again, similar to the last game, if I was betting on the opposing quarterback, if that's who I liked a little bit better, then I wanted to go running back and ceiling pass catcher. And I figured that Chase would go under-owned for his upside and really wanted to be on him in this spot. And so I just felt that... uh, you know, Watson with some combination of pass catchers and then bringing it back with at least Chase was just really, really strong in this spot from a plus EV standpoint in tournaments, right? Because to me, this felt like feels like kind of the epitome of when we are talking about how to find leverage and how to uh, find quote unquote low owned plays but but not really right like we're just identifying plays that could be good and over time would be relative to what the field is giving credit for so you know it's so much different than taking a you know uh, the projections and going into fantasy labs or um like any projection tool like that and and seeing oh like this guy's this much owned and you know this guy's super low owned he's only at five percent so i'm gonna pick him just kind of randomly like this is a way to identify those types of plays in a way that is far more plus ev and profitable over time um what else in terms of this yeah like i said 
I, I essentially was going to play the Baltimore uh, Pittsburgh game in large fields. It wasn't something I was going to pull the trigger on in smaller fields, but I thought that was uh, pretty fun there. Just like it's one of those games that just fits that nicely. And then, yeah, with the the afternoon game was pretty interesting for me. Basically, the way I played this, by the way, was on DraftKings. I split these up where I played early only or late only. And then FanDuel, I played basically like two rosters on the main slate. Uh, so the as I mentioned, like in the afternoon games, I liked the panthers seahawks game and i actually liked the combination and keep in mind this is for small fields so i'm looking at a way to get access to all the points as opposed to like ultimate ceiling and i liked darnold foreman and dj moore as a block slash stack of players because at their price point if this game goes back and forth, you're essentially getting all of the Panthers points or so I thought until they had, you know, all these other running backs getting opportunities and touchdowns. And um, so that really put a dent in uh, <laughs> my excitement there, especially because I had Foreman on my main FanDuel roster because he was pretty he was just at a really reasonable price there and then actually brought it back with uh, either one or both of uh, Lockett or DK Metcalf. I was willing to take a chance on DK. I think that Marquise Goodwin was actually a pretty viable play this week. And uh, yeah, just given Metcalf's injury, um, but I was willing to or like I was going a little bit more out on a limb there and playing Lockett and Metcalf as a block because they really do have the vast majority of uh, that offense from a passing standpoint. All right. So how did this end up? Not really well. Um, I will take you through my FanDuel roster here. Uh, I know, you know, we usually talk about DraftKings. I know I talked about FanDuel more recently because of some qualifiers and stuff like that. But I think that the overall build rather than the actual scores and stuff is what matters here. So I'm just going to take you through that. And then I actually want to, before we move on, take a look at the top lineup and see if we think it's sharp. And yeah, how did how did they get there? All right, so I finished out of the money here. My lineup was Jared Goff, Delvin Cook, Joe Mixon, DJ Chark, Amon Ross St. Brown, Kendall Hinton, TJ Hawkinson, David Njoku, Baltimore Ravens. So as you can see, I had my Goff, Chark, Amon Ross St. Brown stack here, which worked out pretty nicely. Uh, you know, obviously St. Brown failed at his price point, disappointed. 
but Chark had a solid game, just under 100 yards again, but he got into the end zone. Goff had over 303. And then I brought it back with, as I talked about before, Delvin and Hawkinson, who <laughs> were unfortunately the least productive of the four main skill guys on the Vikings. So just kind of, you know, bad break there in terms of uh, didn't get there, you know, just pretty, pretty rough between those two. And then I had Joe Mixon in there. Essentially, you know, this is a pay up running back play. I still wanted uh, or liked Mixon in that spot even though I didn't have a game stack here, or excuse me, I I did have a skinny stack with David Njoku in the flex. So I really liked that I was able to uh, get this kind of one-two punch um, in hindsight. And I'm not remembering off the top of my head here. Uh, I liked Njoku in this spot for his price, which is, I think, why I kept it this way. But I would have been interested to see yeah, I think I think it just wouldn't have worked out price wise. But I was going to say I'm curious as to why I didn't try Jamar Chase in the flex and a cheap running back in that spot. But I'm thinking that price wise, it just wouldn't have worked out. All righty. In first place with well, I guess the score doesn't really matter because it's FanDuel and most of you probably won't know that. Um, but uh by the way this was a field of how many people uh only a couple hundred so first place was kirk cousins donta foreman miles sanders justin jefferson Devonte smith jerry judy Aconquo, bam knight and 49ers defense so this lineup is actually, it's kind of a nice uh, flip side of the coin to my lineup. Now, this individual did things differently, but if we look at this here, we have Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson as the main stack here. So they played the right guys from the Vikings side of the ball. What's interesting, though, is there is no uh, Detroit Lion comeback bring back here, which you could argue that um, nobody really stood out. I think that, you know, just by looking here, Amon Ross St. Brown probably didn't fit from a price standpoint, but. Uh, to not even play like DJ Chark in here somewhere is kind of interesting, but just kind of weird, right? If we're talking about game environments and, you know, if you're going to pay up for Justin Jefferson, maybe they didn't think that Detroit was going to be able to um, play them closely here, but then why would you be playing Kirk Cousins as your quarterback? So again, I think DFS, sometimes we try to boil it down to right and wrong, and I don't think that's the case here. I'm just thinking out loud as I check out this lineup. Um, So (laughs) just some notes there. Uh, You'll also notice that this individual used Mike Mike Sanders. I just looked at the the person's (laughs) name. Miles Sanders and Devontae Smith. 
again, like they got the guys right from this game. I think that, you know, Miles Sanders, as JM had pointed out in his uh, player grid, was a pretty strong play. Kind of bummed that I never came around to that one myself, essentially, because I was playing game environments. And so I just kind of wrote this one off as I thought that it could be a little bit slower um, kind of divisional matchup, which was kind of obnoxious from my standpoint after literally talking last week in the pod about uh, game environments don't need to always be amazing when you have a team that is just dominant and rather aggressive like the Eagles. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense on this lineup to basically take two of the main guys from that team and, you know, not bring it back with anybody, not waste your time there. So that makes sense. And then, yeah, Dante Foreman, again, he was just, he was a a really solid, like, floor ceiling play on FanDuel, nothing like crazy special, but made sense. And then, yeah, Jerry Judy here, obviously hit. We will talk about him a little bit more in just a minute when we get into fluke or fail. Um, But yeah, you know, a a receiver in that game, you know, I even wrote in my notes that um, all of Judy Hinton, Dolchich were pretty strong plays this week in a game environment where, you know, they're essentially going to have to be chucking the ball probably against Kansas City and with the main target hog and ceiling guy, Corton Sutton, out, there was just going to be more goodness to go around these other guys. Uh, Okonkwo, obviously, a lot of the field came around to him and he came through and then bam night here that was kind of interesting to me um just as like a one-off play against the buffalo defense but ended up working out as he went for 17 or had 17 carries 71 yards and a touchdown and then 49ers d which Yeah, I mean, you just simply can't go wrong with 49ers defense, and they were actually very low owned in this spot. So, yeah, kind of interesting. Um, You know, there wasn't like a super clear way that this was put together. You know, we we always talk about at OWS uh, lineup should tell a story, and that's not super clear here, but I do find... Uh, as I've played a little bit more on FanDuel recently, that my FanDuel lineups don't always tell as clear of a story as the DraftKings lineups do. I think just because of pricing and uh, half PPR throws it off just enough to where it, it somehow works out that way. So, all right. First section done. Let's call it a day there and move on to fluke or fail. Alrighty, so I'm kind of interested to get into this today. I want to get your thoughts. Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess I can't get your thoughts because this isn't a conversation. If you want to hit me up in Discord in the reflection thread, you can go ahead and do so. Uh, But yeah, I guess that was more of just a figure of speech. Because here's what we're looking at in this section. If you were new by chance, 30 plus points on DraftKings and just taking a look at 
whether we should have been on these guys or it, was it a fluky performance. So our top two guys in this spot are Jaguars. Well, uh, Evan Engram, the highest score on the week at a 42.2. Uh, wow. This is, you know, it's, it almost averages out all of his like five point scores that he's had over the past couple of years, huh? Uh, <laughs> yeah, this one, it's just, it's such a bummer. Like, you know, this is not even close to a play that I'm kicking myself for. Like never in a million years was I going to pull the trigger on Engram on this slate. Uh, but I've played him a handful of times this year because he looked like he was going to be in a good spot and, you know, having solid usage and stuff like that. And, you know, good skill set. Like eventually he's going to, he's going to score some points and that just never really kind of came around. But, uh, just to take a look at recent game logs, I mean, he has had, so he had 11 catches in this spot. Uh, he had five last week, but before that it was one, three, one, four. Like he hasn't had more than five catches since week two. It looks like there or no, this is only the last 10 games. Um, but it's been, you know, two months since he had over five catches. So, and, and even over like he was for a little while, uh, he had like six targets, seven targets, six targets, but in the past handful of games only had, you know, was getting a couple per game and just blew up in this spot. So this is one of those where, yeah, could it happen? Sure. Should you have been on it? There was nothing really pointing to it other than maybe just the fact that uh, you have to throw against Tennessee. Okay. Trevor Lawrence, number two at 36 Point four two points had over 350 and three and also got one in on the ground as well yeah i mean lawrence has this ceiling right like you know he's gonna hit this every once in a while he you know i think we were kind of hoping that he was going to be hitting this more often than he has this year uh but we know with his skill set and that offense that it it will be possible from time to time again don't think that anything in this particular spot pointed to that, but also not the craziest thing in the world. Here's a more normal one. Justin Jefferson, 36.3. I mean, this dude is just such a baller. 15 targets. He had 11 catches and 223 yards. This mother effer had 36 DraftKings points and no touchdowns. Like what? Crazy. Uh, just wild. 200 yard games from receivers just are, are always, you know, pretty cool to see. So Jeff got there in a big way. Uh, here's a fun one. Jarek McKinnon, 35.4 points. McKinnon got there on seven catches 112 yards and two touchdowns. Now, he did have nine targets here. He had six rushes, which, you know, essentially got him peanuts on the ground. Um, but he's always going to get the most goodness through the air. Yeah, you know, this is one of those 
where he's on a good offense. He is in a split backfield, but he does have a passing game role, which makes him valuable on DraftKings. And, oh man, I didn't realize he was that cheap, 4,600. Yeah, I mean, in this spot, while we don't ever expect 30 plus points from him to even to get a, a 20 to 25 point game out of him would be doable and it would be pretty nice. So a bit fluky in how high of a score this was, mainly because of that long touchdown, you know, got him over the 100 yard mark. Uh, So, you know, this is one of those where it's kind of a a little bit eh, on the border of uh, you know, we won't call him like full fluky, like Mr. Evan Engram, but, uh, but yeah, not also not like the most solid of plays either. Jerry Judy. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, uh, sorry, uh, 33.3. I think there are a lot of arrows pointing to this. Like I kind of alluded to above, you know, really reasonable price in this game environment was probably going to be the go-to guy in a uh yeah in, in a spot where they had to throw now what i will say is that he had nine targets so he's still under double digits he did manage to catch eight of those and uh i'm pretty sure we all know at this point that russell wilson's pass catchers are not catching a high percentage of their targets <laughs> only 73 yards and three touchdowns so <laughs> you have and Jerry Judy, who scored three points less than Justin Jefferson and scored three more touchdowns than him. Kind of ridiculous, but it also kind of paints the picture here uh, a little bit fluky from uh, Jerry Judy. Like we said, reasons why we could have seen him having a good game, but for him to break 30 with that type of a line is is kind of weird. All right, we got a couple left here. Christian McCaffrey, 32.3. Yeah, I mean, CMC. The the kind of wild part here, though, is that he only had three targets. 34 yards, he managed to score on one of those, so he really got there on that touchdown catch. And then um, on 14 rushes, broke 100 yards and a touchdown there. So this is kind of... Uh, you know, vintage CMC in that, you know, he's over 100 yards and a touchdown on the ground and he's got a receiving touchdown uh, on a couple catches. So never going to be too much of a surprise here in what <laughs> this game was just a complete whomping. And uh, yeah, Tom Brady's going to have to retire this year because he's just going to be too tired of, you know, getting pissed at iPads. Miles Sanders with a 31.5. We talked about him a little bit. Just a, a, a solid play in this spot. And probably a good amount more pointing to him than uh, I was considering. I really liked him early in the year because it was obvious that they were going to use him, you know, not as a, a workhorse back, but. Um, well, I should say not a true like bell cow back, but but more of a workhorse in that he's still getting the vast majority of the carries, you know, a couple targets here and there. And yeah, just given the dominance of the Eagles right now, 
not a bad play. Jamar Chase, 31.5. We talked about Jamar a little bit earlier. I think he was just really solid here in a solid game environment, especially, you know, from a game theory standpoint after, you know, being quiet last week was a great week to pull the trigger on him. 10 catches on 15 targets, over 100 yards, and a touchdown. Jalen Hurts, our last guy here, 30.38. Yeah, I mean, Hurts is always going to be in the running to have a 30-plus point game. Uh, and he got there on a very Hurtsian line. Uh, you know, we're going to see a lot of these from uh justin fields in the future <laughs> talked about that a little bit a couple weeks ago 217 yards passing two touchdowns and then 77 yards and a touchdown on the ground like that's what these guys are going to do in at least in games that aren't like super competitive or with terrible defenses or they're just going to have you know under 300 passing yards and you know like two touchdowns and then a solid chunk of production on the ground and probably a touchdown there all right, that was a longish list there. Kind of an interesting week, like I said. Some familiar faces and kind of obvious ones, along with some that's interesting ones. All right, let's wrap things up here with our lineup review of the week. All right, for this, what I'm going to do is. Talk to you, Keys Cheese, uh, <laughs> in the reflection thread. Basically, saw myself tagged with, man, I need some help. Basically, Keys talks here about not being able to break the 170 point marker and really putting a lot of time and energy into. Um, process and OWS content, doing all the things and just not being able to score 200 points and seeing all these other guys that are scoring 200 points and being like, what the hell? Why can I not score 200 points? So we are going to look at the lineups that are submitted here and we will talk briefly then about how to maybe improve or maybe it's not necessary. Let's check it out. All right. We've got a lineup scored a 167 on DraftKings, came in about a millionth place. Um, <laughs> kidding. Uh, I'm used to playing small fields, so these numbers are huge to me. 20,000th place and was in the money. <laughs> um for eight bucks. So right off the bat there, I'm just going to say, and I think you got, there is some of this feedback in the reflection thread, which I love. Uh, for those of you that aren't in the reflection thread, I would go, or the channel, like I would go check that out because the other voices in there, your other OWS fam voices are really sharp, really sharp, really supportive. I, hang out in there a decent amount and I'll respond to you, especially if you're, you know, specifically asking me something. Um, but I'm not even fully needed in there because there's so much other, um, good back and forth. So 
check that space out if you are not in there already. But you know, most of you know, uh, what my advice is going to be here and my general response anytime this conversation comes up is, what is it guys? Play smaller fields. First and foremost, that's the absolute best thing you can do. Because I'll tell you what, and and, I, and this was actually noted um, about one of the other lineups in here, is that you just have so much better of a chance at caching and not even caching, but coming close to first place, if not getting first place, because you don't have to be on the absolute nuts. When you're playing in in huge, huge fields, tens of thousands of players, you are giving yourself no chance on a week-to-week basis to actually realize your edge. It is so hard to bink in those tournaments. It would take decades of play to actually be able to do so. Uh, if not more than that. Um, so that is, uh, and, and maybe maybe you do play some of these, uh, and and that just you know weren't the the screenshot shots that you sent. But I think based you know based on what you're saying, that's where I see a lot of people really getting frustrated. And I've had a handful of people already this year thank me for getting them onto the hundos. If you have not played those yet. Um, the beautiful thing is that those are, because I noticed you mentioned that uh, you are playing one, three, five, ten, twelve dollar contests. The hundos are perfect because they are that. Well, I think they have entry fees for like all of those, basically. Um, so you can find those on the main slate. You can even find similar contests. Uh, they're just like regular weekly ones that have 118 players uh, and you can find those on just about any slate showdown anything um but always 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 play in those even if you're only putting a couple bucks in those know the payout isn't anything crazy it's not that exciting um but what it will do is show you that you can actually build in a sharp way that you can actually have a shot at first place. Um, so getting your mojo back or getting it at all, <laughs> uh, this is the way to do that. Play in smaller fields. So hands down, that is my my top advice there. But let's check out the lineups just to see uh, what we're working with. All right. This lineup was Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders. Well, this is off to a, a great start. Uh, Dante Foreman, Tyler Lockett, Devontae Smith, Garrett Wilson, Austin Hooper, Zay Jones, and Chiefs defense. Yeah, I mean, right away, without even doing any in-depth analysis here, it seems to make sense, right? Like you have Hurts, Sanders, and Devontae Smith like we cannot argue with those plays in this spot. You got the most points out of a quarterback and running back combo this week in uh, over 60 points between those two guys. So I would say that's pretty sharp. Uh, didn't bring anybody back from the Giants. I'd say that's pretty sharp. Uh, what else we got here? Dante Foreman, 
was at the other running back spot. Yep. I mean, totally fine play. Just didn't work out. Things, like I said, just got weird there. Tyler Lockett had a solid game. You know, the, the you know, I'm sure the reasoning for playing him was the skinny stack with Foreman there and uh, DK being hobbled. Totally makes sense. Nice correlation. Uh, Garrett Wilson in that spot against the Bills. I mean, he's been getting uh, it's like, you know, his ceiling is still there. It's a little harder to reach against the Bills, but he's, you know, still in a good spot. Austin Hooper at tight end. You know, you still got there basically with him with an 11 but 0.8 game. Zay Jones had over 20 points against Tennessee, and that was a correlation between those guys. And then Chiefs defense uh, had a, a, a fiery 15-point game as well. So, I mean, really? When you look at it that way, this was a pretty good lineup. Is there room for improvement? Yeah, I mean, sure, right? Like any of us, you can look at any number of my week, my um, lineups a weekend. Like I come on here and I talk about, and there's little places like, you know, probably could have considered a different combo of guys or whatever. But when it comes down to it, this is a solid lineup. I can tell why you did the things you did. And overall, they were sharp. You only had one single digit score here. Only one snowflake from Foreman who you know, like should have been uh, a more sure thing, quote unquote, than that. So, yeah, good stuff there. All right, let's look at the second one. This will be our last for the day here. Oh, this looks interesting and kind of familiar to me. Jared Goff, Dalvin Cook, Miles Sanders, Amon Ross St. Brown, Adam Thielen, DJ Shark, Mark Andrews, Marquise Goodwin, and Cowboys defense. All right. Goff, St. Brown, Chark coming back with Dalvin and Thielen. I mean, this is, you know, super sharp. This is basically exactly what I was talking about, except you played Thielen instead of Hawkinson like I did. So uh, you beat me out there. Nice work. Still played Dalvin like I did. Got beat there. Uh, and then my, he still played Miles Sanders. Still got there with that one. Solid play. And then Mark Andrews at tight end. So you're playing a guy with ceiling. Also a guy that is kind of leverage on the field because people just don't really have any reason to go there. He didn't work out. And, you know, this is probably the most likely for him in this particular game environment, but the the reasoning for playing him is you're playing him for his ceiling, right? You're not playing for him for his most likely outcome. Marquise Brown, I actually noticed that you talked about him uh, because somebody else asked about that, and you mentioned playing him <clears throat> um, because DK was hobbled. I will also note that because we've seen two of your rosters, it was clear that you played Lockett in the other one and Goodwin in this one. So you were hedging a little bit there, which is smart. And then Cowboys defense. 
which, you know, was a quote unquote smash play against Houston. You gave yourself a large ceiling there. I actually didn't realize that uh, 26% owned. I didn't realize they're going to be that highly owned with um, how their, their price. But so, yeah, another really, really solid lineup, understanding what, like how you got to this point and Again, solid, solid scores here. Um, only a 150. So I see where your frustration is coming from in terms of I'm not scoring 200 points. What's going on? In this very, very small sample of looking at two lineups here, these are really solid. So I think to kind of, you know, speak to to keys here and also just to zoom out a little bit and speak to the rest of us, because, you know, uh, I'm very much included in this. And that's you know why I'm here in this space is to get better myself. DFS is hard, right? Talked about this last week. Talk about this almost every week. It is really, really hard. And there are some awesome responses in the reflection channel. And again, if you're not in there, uh, you should be. But basically, there's a couple couple people mentioning, you know, their perspectives on DFS is hard. And all you can do is keep chipping away. Keep trying to get better. Keep surrounding yourself, not only with the content of OWS, but the OWS fam themselves. That's why I'm you know, pushing you to get in that uh, reflection channel because it is just a, uh, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but it is one of the best channels in Discord because it is so productive and so supportive. So just know that it's really, really hard and that you have to keep at it and you have to give yourself a chance to win too. So play some more slates, uh, try playing showdowns here and there. You don't have to put in a lot of money in, in those just, you know, kind of, uh, flex your muscles a little bit, see what you can do there. See if you are, are good at any of these other slates and play smaller fields, play smaller field. I mean, you can, you can find, uh, contests. I don't know about DraftKings, but you can find contests on FanDuel that are literally any size, like five players, 10 players, 20 players go play that stuff. It's not as sexy. It's not as fun in terms of like seeing that high dollar amount, but I guarantee you, I promise you that when you get in those and you start winning over time, you start coming in second place, third place, first place. Uh, not only will you start to <clears throat> pad your bankroll a little bit, but you'll also start to gain that mojo and say, hey, maybe I do actually know what I'm doing. Maybe I am kind of sharp and I shouldn't be so hard on myself or so down on my play. All right, y'all, with that, we are going to call it a week. And I hope to see you, Keys, and the rest of you listening at the top of the leaderboards this weekend.